0: Welcome to our podcast series, Talking With Traders, hosted by expert trader Garth McKenzie in London, from where he's interviewing various guests on the topic of trading.
1: Welcome to season three of the Talking With Traders podcast series with me, Garth McKenzie. Backed by popular demand following the first two seasons, I'll bring you a string of interviews over the next 10 weeks with a number of seasoned traders in my network to give you a first-hand insight into how they trade the world's financial markets so successfully. The first two seasons of this podcast have had over 20,000 downloads of the interviews, so I've used this traction to seek greater global reach for the third season. A special word of thanks must go to our sponsors, IG Markets, for continuing to fund this podcast and to allow it to flourish. In Season 3 of Talking with Traders, I've gone beyond the borders of South Africa to speak to traders from across the globe. I'll ask pertinent questions of each of my guests to really try and get them to open up about what makes them consistently successful when it comes to taking on the world's financial markets this episode of talking with traders now takes us to Melbourne in Australia and a very interesting guest on the other end of the line. I've got Dave Lovegrove on the other side of this podcast interview. Uh, You can catch Dave on, on Twitter at at traded wisdom. And that's how I got in touch with Dave. And um, I'm really looking forward to you, Dave and talking to you. What, what really got me interested in following you was actually the, the psychology around what you tweet um, you're very keen on on, tweet, on uh, tweeting psychology related stuff. And if one looks at your Twitter bio, it says, helping you program your mind to achieve success in the markets, the psychology of trading. And then what really got me interested is that you're a psychology graduate. And then after we had a chat the other day, you told me actually that you're a sports trader as well. So a really interesting guest to have on the line. Welcome to you, Dave Lovegrove.
0: Beautiful, thanks, Garth. I'm super pumped to get an opportunity to chat um, about all this stuff that I absolutely love and I live and breathe every day. So thanks for having me on, and I'm glad that I can offer something a little bit different as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's really exciting to chat to somebody. We've had no uh, sports traders on on the podcast season that we've done so far, so it's going to be really interesting to get your insights into that. But if we can just go back a little bit uh, in time first, Dave. And just get a little bit of background about you and your story. I mean, what got you into trading in the first place? And how did you get to where you are today?
0: Sure. Well, um, I was a bit of a sports mad kid when I was younger. I played every sport under the sun. I found a bunch of my old uh, football records, which is like the little magazine they'd give out when you'd go to the football when I was a kid. And uh, it was just full of stats. I used to sit there in the outer watching my team generally lose, unfortunately, but I was very meticulous about keeping statistics. Um, I I don't really know why, but I just used to love it when I was a kid. And so um, as I sort of progressed through finishing school, um, I sort of got into uh, betting, into sports betting. Um, And not long after that, uh, Betfair came along, which um, if uh, your listeners aren't aware, is a sports betting exchange, um, which gave my interest, um and actually I got into trading really through through the sports training first um there wasn't a lot of liquidity and there wasn't really much information about sports trading when um Betfair first sort of came along so naturally for me to learn I had to find some other um way of of learning there wasn't much stuff around on the internet and so naturally I sort of Gravitated towards all the trading books to do with stocks. So your uh, trade your way to financial freedom um, That sort of stuff and and of course that opened my eyes to all of the other possible options for trading. So uh, My story really was sports trading at the start that kind of got me interested in everything else and probably in the last 15 years since then I've been trading pretty much everything under the Sun Um, and it was really uh, with with not great results and it was really uh, about five or six years ago when I, I really decided that I had, to, I had to knuckle down and take this seriously. And so that's when I, I went back to my roots. I decided I had to cut the fat, do the stuff that I was really good at, focus in on my strengths. Uh, so that was the sports trading. Um, and pretty much since then, I was, I was very quickly able to turn that into a uh, full-time income, and I've been doing that ever since. So that's pretty much my little journey in terms of sports trading. Um, I also love getting involved. Um, there's a, a really great microcap space going on in the ASX and the Australian Stock Exchange. Uh, it's very exciting to get involved in, in some young, up-and-coming companies. So sports trading is very much like uh, day trading. It is very intense. Obviously, you get a sporting event, might go for two hours. From start to finish, um, the, the odds are changing constantly as the game is going on. Um, so you've got to be very quick. Um, and you've got to really know what you're doing. Um, and so that can be quite an intense journey. Um, and I like the whole position trading side of, of, of getting involved in young up and coming micro cap stocks on the ASX because that kind of gives me a, a little bit of a different viewpoint where I can be a little bit more patient and kind of exercise um, a few different other areas of my strengths.
1: Right. That's sort of the basic of my story. Yeah. Fascinating. Thank you. Can you give us an example of a, of a sports trade, a recent trade that you've done just for the the uninitiated listener? I mean, most of the the listeners to this podcast uh, are mostly stock market people, I guess. So to talk to a sports trader is very different. Give us an example of a recent trade that you've done and how you'd actually place the bet and how the trade progresses from start to finish. Cool. So um, I guess uh, in the same way that you
0: can you can day trade uh, on the stock exchange, you can you, you can uh, position trade and take longer positions. You, you can do the same thing in sports. Um, just as a quick little example, um, last year um, before the English Premier League season started, uh, Manchester City was sitting at around about a dollar a dollar fifty on the exchange. They were. Uh, V- very heavy favorites to win the title, um, so uh, this is not just a a bet on a game. this is over the whole season, and a dollar fifty is pretty pretty um, pretty short early on and so I, I identified a little bit of an edge on on Liverpool who had finished second year before, but um, it had been a very a very even year um, and so uh, basically uh, what happened was. Early on in the season, Man City had a few losses. And, of course, as we know, Liverpool, or if you follow the soccer at all, yeah. had a wonderful year. They went, I think, maybe their first 20 matches or so without losing a game. And yeah. were ahead a long way by the time it sort of got to Christmas. Um, and, you know, they were the ones trading at sort of $1. fifty or even shorter, $1. forty to sort of win from there. So you've got a little situation basically where you're creating a little arbitrage um, situation on that. So that's sort of a bit of a long-term like more of a long-term position trade type situation. Um, but what I generally involve myself in is is in play. Uh, so as I mentioned before, you have uh, whether it's a soccer match, a tennis match, um, an AFL match, an Australian rules match um, that might not go for any longer than an hour and a half or two hours. Um, and so obviously you've got the prices changing as, as, as the game's going on. Um, and so with Betfair, you have the opportunity to... Um, make a back bet and you also have the opportunity to create your own book and put some bets up for other um, punters to back. And so that's your lay side. And so obviously we're able to create or our aim is to create a little situation where we've got some green on both sides. Um, and so that sort of stuff works, um, as I said, very fast. Money comes in and out of the markets extremely quickly and they're, they're very efficient markets because there is actually something, there's there's intrinsic value which is very very clear because you have a score line so someone's winning or someone's losing and so the market generally moves very efficiently Um, so you've got to have a good little system in place that can identify little edges Um, of course if you're trading stocks if you're trading um, crypto everything is really very subjective and there isn't necessarily a really clear intrinsic um, market indicator Um, so it does it it does differ a little bit uh, but you do have to be very quick um, and you've got to make sure you're very clear with your systems. And so that's sort of where the whole psychology part of it came in for me. I realized I had to clean up my ability to execute um, those systems that I developed. And so really it's about clarity of decision-making and making sure that I'm able to execute those those okay. decisions.
1: Okay. Now, when you bet through, you, you said that you trade through Betfair. Um, that's an exchange. Indeed. But now, I mean, and if perhaps I'm uneducated in this, in this but when In my mind, sports betting has always been you basically betting against the house. So is this different where this is an exchange? So you're actually betting against other people, other market participants. Is it a zero-sum game at the end of the day or or are you playing against the house? No, it's a zero-sum game. So you're taking other people's money and they're taking yours. Okay. So it's like any like a stock market or a futures market where there's actually participants Correct. on either side. And and I do you I mean you mentioned sometimes that you play around the the, the the let's call it the fair value. I mean are you fulfilling the role in a sense of a bit of a market maker in that respect? Or are you Correct. then taking a view yep. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. Right. Yep. So you can take both sides. So like people put up bets and you can take them essentially. You're you're backing and they're and they're playing the role of the bookmaker. Um, and then you've got the opposite. You can put up bets and hope that uh, hope that they get taken.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. Very, very interesting, Dave. Now, what about risk management? How do you manage your risk in in terms of these trades or these bets that you take?
0: Okay. So, look, with as with all good traders, um, and. Essentially, all all the same rules apply to sports trading as they would with any other type of trading. So for me, I don't risk any more than 1% of my bank on any one particular match. Um, Now, how I trade differs. I have a couple of different strategies that I use. Um, There might be some games where I'm putting in upwards of 100 trades in and out very quickly. Um, There might be some games where there's only a couple of trades getting put in um so i do need to know very clearly what my strategy is going in um and i need to make sure that i'm following that that really strongly so that 1% would be over the whole game i would never put myself in a position where i'll lose any more than 1% of my bank um but uh that that can be almost the whole 1% at risk um on one very simple trade or it can be smaller compartments of that made up over 50 to a hundred different trades throughout the game.
1: Yes. Okay. Okay. And I mean, obviously in trading in any form of trading risk to reward ratio is a very important component. So if you're risking 1% of your, your capital, let's say on a, on a trade, I mean, what type of, of reward can you get on a good outcome with these, with this type of betting?
0: Yeah. Again, look, I mean, when you start a game, um, the market will move a lot more slowly when you get towards the end of a game because there is an end. It is finite as opposed to, you know, unless your company goes broke uh, in the stock exchange, then there is, you know, then, then really things can go on forever. It's essentially infinite. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, whereas in a sports game you have in, in two hours' time, uh, there's going to be a winner and a loser. So things get pretty hairy in that last period if, it's a close game in particular um so initially i'll be look to I'll, I'll look to make um sort of double what i what i risk um as a as a rough rule um but as the game goes on then that can really open up opportunities particularly when it's close and people are trying to close out positions and, and kind of panicking a little bit um, you can have situations in a tennis game for example when in a fifth set uh, in a Grand Slam men's match or a third set in a Grand Slam women's match where, um, you know, it's, it, 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 it's very close and a player might be facing a break point and that break point um, essentially would throw the odds massively in the favour of the player that has, that has that break point because if they get it, then they're, they're essentially serving for the match. Um, but, of course, if the player serving wins that point back and it goes back to juice, well, then... Um, the odds need to reflect that so you can get very, very big and very quick movements in odds. Um, and so you can get some really good opportunities at the end. Mm. Um, so in that sense, um, it, it also comes down to, to, to having a good system and knowing what your fair value is, because you might be able to make a lot more than that, uh, two to one.
1: Okay. Fascinating. Um, now, you, you, you're a psychology graduate, as, as I understand it, you're still studying uh, psychology at the moment, am I right?
0: Still finishing up, yeah, yeah. So I'm okay. a psychology grad and um, I've got, um, I do intend to do some more study down the line as well. But um, it's, it's been a formalized process over the last, Few years of doing this, I've got pretty much every other psychology book under the sun sitting on my bookshelf, and I realised that I really should probably formalise the process. So, it's been that for the last few years, and trying to do that and and trade as well as having a young family has has had its challenges. But it's it's um now that I'm nearing the end of it, it's it, it's been a very rewarding process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure we'll talk about the young family side of things just now because I've got some questions I want to ask you about that. Yeah, sure. Um, but trading is. Predominantly psychology you know, um whether whether it's sports trading stock trading, whatever type of trading it is um it's it's mainly around psychology, you know your methodology that you employ. To trade might make up ten or twenty percent of the of what you do, but actually the psychological aspect of trading is really what 's so critically important and that was one of the things that drew me to you from following you on Twitter and seeing all the interesting things that you tweet out which very much revolve around um, around positive psychology and how do you, um, and, and how to approach the markets from a positive psychological perspective so you know, to that extent. Um, how how do you you know how do you handle this psychologically let's let's ask a few questions around that for example i mean you 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 may have situations where you have a drawdown where you've got a couple of trades or a couple of bets that have gone wrong um I, I guess in any form of trading we all have that you have periods where you where you lose a couple of trades in a row what, i mean what do you do psychologically how does that affect you
0: yeah so essentially you've got two different ways that you need to deal with this so there's the short term and then there's And then there's the long term. And of course, in the long term, our aim is to ensure that we're not, um, well, A, that we're not consistently reacting in a bad way to losses. Um, And of course, in the short term, we're trying to manage that emotion. So let's have a look at it. Let's have a look at the short term first. So in the short term, you're in the moment. You've, You've had a couple of drawdowns in a row. So there's a few things going on, we're going to be experiencing emotions firstly, and we're not going to be able to stop that, we're not going to be able to control our emotions. Uh, But what we can is have systems in place that might help to manage our emotions. So in the short term, um, we can do some very basic little things, we can do some little breathing techniques, we can do some little, we can get out, we we can go for a walk, we can do anything that clears the head. Something I like to do is to actually go and do something with my hands. Go and do something that helps me to feel like I've accomplished something. It might be something as ridiculously simple as repotting a plant, doing some dishes, doing something that gets me out of my head, gets me doing something where I feel like I've now accomplished something, um, and then I can get back to it. Um, of course, if you're um, a day trader, you might need to use these strategies quite often, um, schedule in some little breaks, give yourself that opportunity to have some rest time and then get back straight into it. Um, If you're someone who trades a little bit longer, um, that can can almost be a worse situation because you've got more time to think about it, you've got more time to stew over uh, what's going on. And so we really need some long-term strategies here that's going to help us to be able to deal with our emotions. And probably first and foremost, we need to understand that just because we've lost a little bit, That is not a part of our identity, okay? When we make things part of our identity, uh, then they become very hard to shift. Um, So just because these things have happened, they have happened in a particular manner and what we're going to make sure we're doing to understand why these things are happening is to keep a really, really good record of them. And so I'm a huge proponent for having a really strong trading journal but having really strong feedback because the answer to every single one of your trading questions or your trading issues is going to be found in that journal. Um, now keeping the right information is important. I don't think there's anywhere near enough traders that uh, take this seriously enough, but you have literally got feedback. for if, if you keep a good journal with the right information, you have got feedback that will help you to iterate your system and help you to much better manage your emotions. Uh, in not only in the long run, but you're going to get to know yourself better. That's going to help you in your life as well. These are management strategies that can help you in your life, not just with trading.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, something you said earlier, which really resonated with me, is you said that, you know, in sports betting and particularly the type of sports trading that you embark on, you, you often, the outcome is known within two hours and then that's that you've got the result, um, which is, very appealing from from my perspective, I think you know I, I'm a stock trader, but one of the things I've always thought is that part of the problem with stock trading is that you can often it can take quite a long time for your results to be realized. It can take days, weeks, even months sometimes depending on your time frame that you trade off of, and during that time you've got so many opportunities for noise to come into your head. And contradictory information to cloud your judgment, and that starts making you second guess your, um, you know, your your decisions, and whether your trade is right or wrong. And often that can lead to exiting a good trade too early, or or maybe exiting, you know, cutting a trade prior to a stop loss being in a hit because you feel uncomfortable or whatever. But basically, it it, it gives you an opportunity to interfere with the trade. Whereas sports trading, by the sound of things, because of that nature of the short-term nature of it and the fact that there's a finite end to the match, uh, you don't have that issue. What can you say about that? And how does that you know, play into your hands from a psychological perspective?
0: Okay, this is a great question. And I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to really enjoy answering this question because it's going to start to deal a little bit more with um, why we make... Or how we make decisions, um, and what we can do to uh, set things up or set up our environment um, in a way that makes it easier for us to block out the noise and to just focus on the signal. Okay, so to I mean, ultimately, what do we want? We want to be good decision makers. We want to have systems in place that allow us to make good decisions and make them easily. We want systems in place that are going to help us to manage um, emotional states that will arise and potentially interfere with our ability to make useful decisions so to have a clear strategy is clearly the first thing we want and the second thing is we need to be able to execute this strategy and so um, we need to understand our brain a little bit Um, our brain is a is a prediction and association machine it makes predictions from the other associations that we have made throughout our life and then we have internalized as as beliefs and as part of our identity Um, and now our decisions most of our decisions actually come from convenience or emotion or, or, or these beliefs. So let me say that again. Most of our decisions actually are, come from convenience and emotion. So we make thousands of decisions every day, most of them relatively inconsequential. Um, you know, you, you, you've already made 20, 30 decisions before you've left your bedroom in the morning. You know, Do I get up? Like, What do I wear? Um, do I turn over to the left when I wake up or do I turn over to the right? Do I sleep for another minute? Do I get up? Do I press my alarm? Who knows? There's, there's hundreds of decisions that you might even make in the first half an hour of the day. Most of them are tiny and inconsequential. And if we have to spend a long time thinking about those decisions, then after 20 minutes of being up, you're going to be completely screwed and you're going to want to go back to bed again, right? Mm. You're going to have lost all of your energy. So we have, These two systems in our brain. And the first one, um, so uh there's a psychologist by the name of Daniel Kahneman who talks really well about this. The first system basically allows us to make most of our decisions. Um, it runs on automatic. Uh, it just makes decisions based on what we've kind of known in the past. Um, so using these associations. Um, and it uses convenience, it uses cues that are around us in the environment, in in the environment, just to make these quick decisions so that we don't have to spend too much time thinking about them and use too much. Um, uh,
1: of our cognitive energy. You're listening to Talking with Traders, a podcast series brought to you by IG, a world-leading online trading and investment provider. If you haven't checked out the IG online trading platform, please do so and visit IG.com. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast series on your favorite podcast app or website by clicking on the subscribe button and you'll be notified weekly as we release new episodes. Okay, and
0: then we obviously, for the more difficult decisions, we employ a different system, a system two, um, where we think a little bit more deeply about it, and we actually spend a little bit more time considering uh, what we need to do in any in any type of situation. Okay, so um, what we want to do essentially is, because the majority of our decisions um, are these little automatic decisions, um, then we're prone to biases. It's been shown that even when we use our system two which you might think is that system where we are able to think a little bit more deeply about a problem you might think that we're going to make less errors using our system two um, because we're spending a bit more time considering the problem but actually that's not true often what system two does is it just uses information to try and confirm what system one already knows Um, and so obviously this is a very clear bias one of the main biases that we all fall under which is confirmation bias Um, and so the reality is, is that actually sitting down and thinking about a problem doesn't necessarily make it any easier to make the correct decision. Okay? So what we want to do is therefore try and use that first system, set, it, set up our environment in a, in a way, create habits that allow us to make automatic decisions that are actually really useful and helpful for us. Um, so in terms of blocking out noise um, and being able to focus on signal, um one thing you might want to try and do is consider consider those times where you feel triggered so you're you're long in a position and it's taking a a a while to come to fruition and there's noise every day that you could be paying attention to well the first thing really simply is to uh not in not expose yourself to that noise um so it might be um you know like if there's some sort of fundamental information, if there's some websites that you like to visit where you, where you like to read up on the news, um, you know, if it's got to do with that company, then, you know, you don't necessarily need to read that information. Um, or if you read that information, that's fine, just note it down, but it's not important to involve yourself too much in it. So let's try and set up our environment so that we're not actually exposed to too much noise. Um, so even... Here's a little example that I would use uh, with my phone, for example. Or anyone can do this with their smartphone. I mean, I'm sure we get distracted with our smartphones all the time. Mm-hmm. So when I when I have it, I've actually set it up so that um, it it won't ring, and like I have it on do not disturb. And the only people that can call are my friends and family. So this is when I'm I'm trading during the day. So I only have friends and family that can call. Um, I either put it in another room. I make it really difficult for me to be able to look at it. either put it in another room or I put it up high on a shelf where I actually have to make effort to go and get it if I need to. So it's not by my side. Um, I've set it up so that it's on grayscale. And the reason I set it up on grayscale is because um, it looks crap and it means that I'm not going to be excited to pick it up and look at it. I've turned the majority of my notifications off. Um, I have set times during the day uh, where I will go and check my phone and see if there's anything that I need to attend to. Um, so I've set it up in a way that it's not going to be a temptation for me. If it was just sitting there, I'll pick it up. If I get a notification, I'm going to want to know what the hell it is. Um, if I have a donut sitting on my, um, oh no, maybe not donuts, I don't eat donuts, but if I have dark chocolate sitting in the fridge, oh my God, it's not going to be there too much longer. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's, it's important for me. Like, and, in, and, in, and I know that. So rather than, than fighting it, rather than having it there and having to force some kind of discipline where I, uh, I, I sit there and look at the dark chocolate but don't eat it, I just won't have dark chocolate in the house. Or I'll allow myself to have dark chocolate on, you know, like one, one week in particular out of the month or whatever it is. So let's try and think of ways. Go through your – have a look at the environment that you trade in are there distractions there? How can you set up your environment in a way that actually makes it easy for you to make a more useful and helpful decision mm-hmm. rather than actually uh, having to fight it, having to fight the urge.
1: Fantastic. Now that leads me on to the next question. And we said, we would talk about the young family aspect earlier. So you said pre- previous to this interview, you've got an eight month old baby. Um, I've got two young boys and I know what that's like this, the sleepless nights and the fact that, um, <laughs> children don't tend to stick to a routine very well. Um, and, and everything you've spoken about here yeah, talks to, you know, creating the right kind of environment and having all these systems in place, but it all sounds wonderful in, in, you know, talking about it. However, <laughs> having young children in the house and particularly newborn babies they don't, you know, they don't conform to these kind of systems and the discipline and the strict kind of environmental rules that you are referring to. Have you found that that has been a hindrance to your trading? I mean, I'll be honest; I've, my trading results suffered when I started having young children. Um, it, it, it psychologically, it, it was a difficult thing to get my head around and to get, you know, to to stay in that zone that you really need to be to trade successfully. Have you found the same with your trading? Yes, totally. I mean, you're, you're responsible
0: for another human being who who needs you, who has needs and wants that they can't fulfill themselves. So um, that's, a very, that's a very difficult thing. I mean, we just spoke about ways of setting up your environment to block out the noise. Well, I mean, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, babies can make a lot of noise. But when they make that noise, hell, like that's not noise I want to block out. Though you know, like that takes precedence. So, um, but you know, I I have a wonderful partner who um, who who really works with me in this in this sort of situation. Um, we're very we're very clear of of when I'm trading and when I'm and when I'm not and when I'm available. Um, and we make sure that when I'm not trading, that she gets her time as well. Um, and so we really work together well. And look, to be honest, I probably wouldn't be able to do it without her. It's certainly been more of a challenge as well uh, over the last seven or eight months um, for 2020, of course, given the general situation with COVID around the world. Um, yeah. And we're actually still a, at, at time of talking. We're still here in lockdown in Melbourne um, and have been for a long time. So that certainly made it extra challenging because there's been less opportunity to um, to get outside and, and and see other people and be social. Um, so, you know, it it has felt a little bit like groundhog day every, every, um, Um, uh, most days, but yeah, we've, we've, it, it it really comes down to, um, to how well we communicate with each other, um, myself and my partner and being able to, to have someone that can support me to, to do what I need to do when I do it. And, and I can support her to do what she needs to do when, um, when she needs to do it. But yeah, to be honest, Garth, like things, things were challenging, particularly at the start.
1: And it took us a little while to get there. Yeah, um, I'm but
0: sure. yeah, well, yeah,
1: they keep moving the goalposts. That's my experience. So, <laughs> oh, don't they just, <laughs> so good, good luck with it. Good luck with it. Um, you think they've developed could... a system that they're following,
0: but they're just not, you know,
1: no, they no, start no.
0: sleeping for a bit and then bang, it's yeah, it's, absolutely. it's done. Yeah, it's a new no. system now.
1: As, as I say, the goalposts move constantly. Let's pivot away from that now and just talk a bit more general. I mean, trading statistically worldwide, the majority of people lose money trading. And and when I say the majority, it's the vast majority. I mean, most um, CFD providers are compelled by law to to publish the percentage of their clients that lose money. And all of the CFD providers that I follow, typically that number is anywhere between 75 and 85% of clients that generally lose money trading this stuff. Um, and I would guess that there's probably some sort of a similar metric when it comes to sports trading. Why do you believe that that the average man in the street loses money trading?
0: Because not enough people take it
1: seriously. Um, some people are in it for
0: entertainment and don't mind losing a little bit of money here or there. Um, but I'm pretty sure that most people get in it because they want to make money. But most people are also not prepared to put in the work, they're not prepared to set up high performing habits and they're not prepared to um, develop a high performance mindset. And uh, those those sorts of things then allow you to develop a system, a positive expectancy system and they allow you to be really clear on your system um, and they allow you to become a successful trader. And so people just aren't prepared to put in the work. And so it's like anything, it's 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 simple and complicated at the same time. It, it takes a lot of work. But the reality is, is that if you can think in probabilities and have a high probability system and you have developed some really good habits and, and a good mindset around how you implement that system and how you execute that system, um, then the reality is, is that no, so and and th- thirdly and incredibly importantly have a really good feedback system um, that allows you to um, make sure that you really are trading your strengths and you are keeping track of your weaknesses that you can work on. So if you have those three things, then there's really no reason why you can't be successful as a trader. Um, but of course, going through and and. And, and ticking off those boxes is a lot easier than just ticking off those boxes. Yeah. Sorry, it is a lot harder than just ticking off those boxes. So, mm. um, you know, I mean, most people just aren't prepared to put in the work. But the information is out there. I mean, there are some wonderful books out there. There's this podcast, for example. There is so many different um, op- opportunities to learn, but people need to have that need to have that mindset first. And too many people give up too quickly. You know, people don't have enough of a growth mindset and 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 pair that with a desire to actually um do the work
1: Mm. like anything you get out of it what you put in it yeah absolutely consistency is key in trading Um, and that's everything that you've talked about really is it consistency consistent system um consistent risk management and and i guess leading to that i guess also um routine so you know what does an average day look like for you um And when do you do your market research or your research for your, for your trading? Um, you know, is it after hours? Is it, when, when, what does it average day look like for you? Average
0: days are very, um, do you know what? There's not, there's not many average days in sports trading, particularly um, down here in Australia. Uh, and there's a lot of sports that go on across the world. So, um, things can be happening at very, at very random times um so and and even this year so the afl the australian rules football is one sport that i tend to trade a lot um which they um have banned crowds at for this year and ended up playing most of the matches at night so that sort of that sort of change we ended up with all these weeknight games rather than just weekend games um so things sort of changed a lot for that uh there's obviously tennis um that goes on around the world that i tend to trade and that can be on at any time of the night and day um, and cricket's the same. We had the cricket World Cup uh, last year in England, and again, that's it that ends up being at night time here in Australia. Um, so I actually end up spending a lot of my time uh, being up quite late at night trading, um, and I actually end up often having my mornings and my and my early afternoons to myself um, or or to the family. Mm-hmm. So um, it's there isn't really an average day. Um, I will um, it can be. It can be tricky doing some journaling after uh um, you know like when it's two or three o'clock in the morning and I've been sitting up for for ages trading at night, um, it can be quite tricky to then sit down and and want to actually write about it and do my journaling and and, and and go through it so sometimes I'll just take some brief notes and then and then go through things again in the morning when i've got a clear head and had a bit of sleep um, so yeah, look things are there is no average day, um, but uh, for me, again, the most important process. Out of order is 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 that journaling process and the ability to then analyze and 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 really see whether I'm I'm keeping on track and whether I'm moving off track at all um, with my trades in general. And so I definitely like to do that with a clear head. So that's that's something that I'll often do when I get a little bit of time in the morning after I've had my coffee and and, uh, and the family's sort of set up and and ready to go.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you find this stressful? Uh, yeah, I can.
0: I do. And, and I definitely need strategies to help me with this sort of stuff. And so, uh, overall more long-term strategies, um, things that I do away from trading, um, is, uh, meditation, uh, and breath work are two things that I really work at. Um, and they generally help to give me that little edge in terms of being able to sense when I'm, or that awareness and that sense of, of when things are going a little bit um, or, or getting a little bit stressful when that arousal curve is getting a little bit too high. Um, so those are a couple of strategies that I use that um, I would recommend people look up um, and sort of get involved in in some way because they're, they're you know, they're long-term strategies that will, will help you for your life, not just for training. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, just, I have to employ these strategies. If I don't, then um, there are definitely times where, uh, it can get the better of me, and um, i 'll have to go out and, and and sort of clear my head in some way but um, yeah it, trading trading late at night and particularly at the moment with a baby who 's not sleeping so well it's um, uh, you know sleep deprivation is 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 quite a tricky thing to deal with and <laughs> there's there 's definitely been moments like you this year where my trading 's been a little bit up and down, but I think um, overall though that process again i I come back to that feedback process. I have I have a very good journal that I I use and it it really allows me to keep on the train tracks and and helps me to identify when I'm going off track very quickly.
1: Yeah, fascinating. What um two or three bits of advice would you give to a start-out trader in any form, I mean whether it's sports trading or stock trading, I mean the the, the principles I guess are similar what and you've got a youngster for example that comes along to you and says i want to take up trading for my career i want to do this for a living and this is where my passion lies what two or three pieces of advice would you give to such a youngster okay so uh most most answers to
0: this question i i assume probably resolve around or revolve around risk management and of course that is absolutely vital um and i would i would definitely say that too as part of the advice so um, you know I, I mean you can 't you, you can't win the game if you 're not playing it right, so um, you 've got to find a way to stay in it um, but let's let 's add a couple of other things there I, I would say that you need to find a system and it doesn 't matter what the, what the system is, um, but you need to find a system that is has got some kind of positive expectancy, um, whether you try other people 's systems it doesn 't matter, but you need to do that system, trade that system for a while. Um, you need to be clear on that system. And it doesn't matter if that's the system that you end up using or whether that's the system you just start with. But the, the most important part of it all is keeping that feedback, is keeping a journal, keeping some feedback process because that way you can iterate your system um, and develop it in, in a way that it therefore suits you and becomes your own. Okay. So I see there's far too many traders um, read about some system here or some system there and I, and I try it once or twice and I don't keep any feedback on it. And it's usually some kind of random luck as to whether it works out or whether it doesn't. And then uh, if it seems to work out, they might continue doing it for a little while longer until it doesn't. And then they'll change to something else. Um, and very few people keep a good feedback system um, and really understand why that system works or why that system doesn't work and why it works for them or why it doesn't work for them. So, if you can understand what your strengths are and they will be revealed to you gradually, if you keep a really good feedback system. Okay. It's like, like having a good journal. It's like having someone looking over your shoulder. It's like having your own mentor looking over your shoulder and helping you through um, developing your strengths and working on your weaknesses. So I would say absolutely find a system. It doesn't matter whether it's necessarily, um, uh the one that you end up finishing with but just find a system and be clear on it and trade it for a while and keep some feedback and with that feedback then you can iterate but if you don't have that ability to uh journal if you don't have that ability to look at the feedback then you will not have any ability to iterate that system in a way that it's going to become yours
1: Great. Fascinating. And last question then, Dave, um, books, you mentioned a couple of books earlier in the conversation, but are there two or three books that you think any trader should definitely have on their shelf? An absolute must read
0: for sure. Well, let's, again, let's go a little bit differently to perhaps what, um, perhaps what might be the sort of standard answers here. So let's, let's have a look at a couple. I would absolutely go with, um, atomic habits by James clear. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's a great book. I'm not sure if you read it yet yourself, oh, Garth, but I've...
1: I have. So one of the first guests that I ever interviewed on this podcast series recommended that book. Um, Dr. David Paul was our first guest on, yep. on this Talking With Traders podcast series. And he actually recommended that book. And I got the audio book and I absolutely loved it. So I, I agree with you. I mean, anyone listening to this podcast should try and get their hands on that book, um, Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's a fascinating reading. So, yeah, I've got that one. What else?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd go with, um, so I mentioned uh, the psychologist Daniel Kahneman earlier. I'm not sure whether you've read Thinking Fast and Slow, but that would be uh, his sort of masterpiece. Um, in it, he he really speaks well about how our brains make decisions. Um, he does it in a beautiful way. He really keeps it simple. He he gives us that analogy of the two systems happening in the brain, the system one and the system two. He really tells us that there's no real way of controlling either, um, but it's just important to become aware of the various biases that we that we hold. Um, and when we, be, we become aware of something, of course, then that gives us the ability to change it. Um, so Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow would be one. Um, and I guess um, probably the other book, I'm just looking over at my bookshelf now, and it's it's sticking out like a sore thumb, but um, Nassim Nicholas Taleb's Anti-Fragile. I'm not sure if anyone, if any of your listeners are, um, have read all of his books or whether you've, you know, you've read his. He's, he's obviously got a little collection going, full by Randomness, um, yes. The Black Swan yes. and Anti-Fragile being the first three. And, of course, uh, Skin in the Game, the fourth one. But, of course, I like Anti-Fragile probably more than any of the others um, just because it kind of ties together most of the concepts that he speaks about in those first two in particular and really... Kind of gives you a good working strategy to um, uh, or a good bunch of working systems to sort of help you employ it in your life. Um, so antifragile of course about probabilistic thinking and um, and and how to sort of create um, um, a situation where you can gain from chaos and gain from disorder, because ultimately that's, that's the world, the world is chaos, the world is disorder, the world is variable. we can't control most of it. Um, so it makes sense to put ourselves in a position and set up systems in our life that kind of give us the ability to actually benefit from wonderful. the way that the world
1: is. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Dave, it's really been fascinating speaking to you. I knew it would be a very different kind of an interview with sports betting and sports trading and obviously your deep psychological understanding of markets and what it takes to be a a trader so thanks very much for your time Um, anyone listening to this podcast wants to follow Dave go onto Twitter and look him up at Traded Wisdom it's well worth your while if you like motivational uh, tweets and quotes and things Dave's Twitter handle is absolutely full of that sort of stuff it's well worth following so Dave thanks very much for your time I really appreciate you taking the time to chat to me today thanks Garth it's been an absolute pleasure thank you Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Talking With Traders, brought to you by IG, a world-leading CFD provider. We really are privileged to have such a leader in the field of online trading involved in this series. Please follow us on Facebook and engage with us there. And a reminder to make sure you subscribe to the series by clicking the subscribe button on your favorite app. Till next time.